Sports Cage podcast is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Order your favorite CBH menu items from the comfort of your home with Skip the Dishes. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but this fire playing on the TV is so delightful. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sean Kleisinger in for Derek Taylor today. And if you happen to drive by the Harvard Media Studios downtown Regina, you'll see my nice little fireplace through the window at the front. And let me tell you, it's a good one. It gives off absolutely no heat, but it's nice to look at and it makes you feel cozy inside. Man, stay warm out there. Ridiculous cold weather we're getting here in the southern part of Saskatchewan. It's day two of our Riders Year End Review. And when you think back to the last few seasons for the Riders, there's been an unsung hero among the fan base in Ryderville. It all started in training camp in 2019 when he was like making Randy Moss-like catches all over the place. Then he didn't really see the field. And then fast forward to 2021, he yet again had another great training camp, finally gets in a game early in the season, does well. Then he was off the radar for weeks. But every single time the guy is out there, he seems to make plays. Paul McRobertson. Paul has such an inspirational story. He's a guy who's been through so much in his life. And uh, during training camp this year, we chatted with Paul McRoberts, and he talked about the night he lost his father. It was dramatic, man. It was I was nine years old, you know, uh, just beginning to play sports, really. Um, my father was also in, like, the military, so he served and stuff like that. So he's real strict as well. So, you know, took that from me too. But um, the crazy part about that night is he came over right before it happened and uh, he kind of gave me a couple of dollars and he was like, don't spend it all in one place. And then a couple hours later, I, I got the call and I was just like devastated for sure. Um, being, being young, you know, I never, I didn't cry at the funeral or the wake uh, because he like taught me to be strong. But, you know, later on, I felt like later on in college, I, I started breaking down and, you know, cause I, <laughs> I didn't have a man in my life and things like that. So, you know, it really hit me later on in life. I felt like I was too young at the time to really fathom it, but it really affected me and also helped me because it was just like I was living for him at this point, you know? Yeah. You you didn't cry at the funeral at the age of nine. Nah. Wow. I bought, yeah. well, I bought like a, a little kid who lost his hero. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. W- when did you notice it? Like, like when I did said, you notice his absence? Like I said, I mean, I noticed it throughout my life, but that my mom was so strong. And my dad was already strong. My mom, my mom was a single mom raising five kids. She was already so strong that, you know, I, my morals was just different. Like I was just, and I didn't feel his presence. At, uh, I didn't feel his absence at all. Like my mom just held it down. And like I said, when I was away at college, I would just start thinking more and more like, hey, what would my, what would my life be like if my dad was here? And um, kind of was just tripping me out. Like, man, like I'll never see him again. You know, and I'm like, whoa. Then I had like breakdowns every other week or something it was like dang I didn't get the cry back then I'm like letting it all out now I'm like <laughs> but it was crazy it was crazy for sure yeah so I lost my dad in the same way had a heart attack I was 14 and that he was my baseball coach and he was my hero and this stuff and I remember when I was like 18 or 19 I, I had one of those situations where I thought oh what do I do here as a man and I didn't have someone to go to yeah I feel like that's, I feel like that's the crazy, like in his bed, because it's like, you know, you have your mom, your mom can only teach you so much about how to become a man. It's like, you know, and I didn't have that. And I still feel like I'm 
not say immature, but I still feel like I'm growing into a man because I still yet to have my like own kid and own family. And it's like, you know, sometimes I'm like, dang, like, am I going to be like a kid for the rest of my life? Like, I'm a good person, like good spirited person and just you know, jolly and joyful. You know what I'm saying? So I'm outgoing and stuff like that. So it kind of made me sometimes be like, man, I need to pull back a little bit because I feel immature. But it's just the way I am, you know? I feel like I just throw love and get po positive energy off and everything like that. So it's still kind of tough. I'm like, man, I need to grow up. But <laughs> I still yet to be like, I never had a man in my life. So I don't know how this is supposed to look, to be honest. You know? Yeah. What, what did you do in those situations where you're like, man, I didn't know what a man would do because I'm 18 yeah. and I'm not sure. What did you What did you do? I mean, it's tough, you know? And I feel like, I just stuck with sports because it was like one of the things that like kept me away from not say growing up faster, but it kept me away from like thinking about those things. Like, what do I do next? I'm like, Hey, I know what I'm doing right now. Like, let me just keep trying to, you know, play and go to the next level and things like that. Cause I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, once I got to really grow up, you know, yeah. but um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I looked at my mom, like I said, but it's only so much. It was just like, she's a woman, but I know she dealt with, you know, men in her life. And so I kind of leaned on my big, my older brother, you know, as well you know, as a guidance, like, what would he do? Or, you know, things, certain things like that. So, yeah. I, I just, I found I approached those situations like, what would my dad have wanted me to do and try to get to it that way? Because yeah. there, I had no uncles. My older brothers were questionable. Yeah. <laughs> They'll hear this, they're questionable. Uh, but what would my dad have wanted to do? And it may not be the right answer, but at least it yeah. gave me, you know, it's something bigger than something smarter than myself to focus on, or at least something with more, you know, it took away the, the kid impulses that I might have had at 18 or 19. Yeah. And that, and those lingering questions, it's like, you never have the answers to them. And it's like, you know, I was like, dang, what would I be doing if my dad was here? And I was like, hey, I know he was in the military. Like, will he have pushed me towards that and, and yeah. not want to, you know, stuff like that. So sometimes I, I have great conversation with my mom, like all the time. So sometimes I ask her, I'd be like, what was my dad like, or, you know, just more stuff about it, you know, because I stuff I want to know. Sometimes kids don't ask those questions. And she was just like, you know, he's a great man. Like, he used, he used to ball back in the day. And I used to hear it sometimes, like, man, your dad could really ball. But, like, it's stuff I missed out because, I, you know, he you know he died when I was so young. So it was like, dang, I wish I seen that and seen how great he was, you know. But I heard nothing but great things. But sometimes, like, I really want to know how he was, you know, as a person or what would life be like, you know. Yeah. But I the answer, so it's, like, crazy. What he he never got to see you at Rams camp. He never got to invite everybody over to watch Hard Knocks, which yeah. would have been yeah. was obviously had different reasons why that wasn't a great episode. But he, he yeah. never got to be there. Did you? Were there times where you've noticed that? Oh man, I wish Dad was here to see me because I've yeah. now accomplished this. Yeah. yeah, all the time, all the time. And my mom, you know, wasn't there either because she just been working so hard. So. You know, and then I was seeing like other teammates, parents and everybody there support them and stuff. And it's like all the time I was reminded, like, dang, I, I just wouldn't have that feeling back. You know what I'm saying? I have the feeling at all to see what it feel like. But, you know, like I said, I, I grew up kind of in a, a rough area and stuff like that also. So I didn't really have time to, you know, show pity on myself. I had to, I was trying to find a way out, you know, find a way out for my family and stuff like that. So, you know, all that stuff played a part in, you know, in, in my upbringing, basically. Yeah. Uh, one of one of the first memories I have of my dad, we watched the CFL in like 1981. I was this high, but Warren Moon <laughs> was playing and my dad was the biggest Warren. Warren Moon fan. And I just, as I've gone through my life, like my dad never got to see me be on Sports Center or be the voice of the riders. And you go, he would have really liked that. And I guess yeah. I kind of take 
at least, you know, I'm in my 40s now, but I, I kind of take from that and go, okay, maybe I am doing things okay, because this, this is something my dad would have liked, my mom would have liked that I was, I'm the voice of the team she grew up loving. So it's, mm. they still have an impact, don't they? Yeah, they definitely have an impact. And I, uh, one subtle thing I did notice, you know, growing up was my dad had this really nice uh, Letterman, like 49ers jacket. So I know he liked the 49ers, but I never, you know, like I said, I never got to ask him like about sports because, you know, it happened so fast. But I was like, that's all, that's one image that's always in my head. Like my dad, you know, 49ers jacket. And I'm like, you know, I got close by going to LA, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, I was just wondering like, man, he would have been, he would have been proud of me, period. And, you know, I no doubt, I know he would have supported whatever I wanted to do. And, you know, I, I wish I would have had him there, you know, along his journey. But mm -hmm. I definitely played for him. And I, like I said, this year, I want to honor him by putting a junior on my jersey because McRobert Jr., I'm a, I'm a junior. So I kind of, you know, was thinking about that. And I asked Coach Dickey, I'm like, Coach Dickey, I kind of want to put the junior to, you know, honor my dad, you know. And he was like, yeah, we, you know, we can do that. And so that's one of the things I thought about. I'm like, you know, let me do that for him, you know. I like that. I like that a lot. As we talked to Paul McRoberts on the sports cage, who I knew I liked you from camp in 2019 when we talked a little <laughs> bit and you had that day where you were ripping balls out of the sky. Yeah. It was unbelievable. But as yeah. we do this interview, you tell tell folks the t-shirt you're wearing and the poster that are on your wall. <laughs> I'm wearing the Teledega Night t-shirt with Ricky Bobby shaking Bake Baby. And I got a Ricky Morty poster. And then I also got a Guns N' Roses poster over there. You can't really see it. It's right above the drum set. That use your illusion? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, you know, it comes with the the love for music and everything too. But um, I love movies and music, so big things in my life right now. It's like a big part of my life. This is a this is a range because Rick and Morty is kind of a twenty something thing. Ricky yeah. Bobby is kind of a thirty something thing. Guns N' Roses is for yeah. you know the 40 somethings and I'm an old soul for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm that, I'm that everything kind of guy. Like I'm an old soul. I'm a new soul. I'm everything. So it's kind of, it's a great mixture to have for sure. Uh, I, I have to ask you, cause it's been so long since the 2019 training camp. Yeah. You, you, the day we all came to talk to you because you made two catches that almost nobody in the CFL makes. And you had two other catches that day that made you go, Oh my gosh, this guy, <laughs> this guy can catch the football. You were the, you were for a week, the star of training camp. Uh, what do you remember of 2019 training camp? I, I remember all those things, the catches, man. And, you know, I was, I remember sitting like out before even coming here. Cause I was injured in 18 and I remember like, man, I just started working out a little bit, but I was like, man, I wonder if I'm gonna have my hands still. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I got off the training camp, man, and they worked better than, you know, before. And I'm like crazy. Like, making those catches everybody just talking about it. I'm like man I just sometimes I think baseball I just stick my hands up there sometimes and it just happens and I'm like it's crazy so you know I, I definitely remember those days like yesterday and definitely shooting to have a same kind of camp but at the same time I'm just, I'm just trying to grow and like adapt to the playbook and just be you know actually get to play this year like it wasn't it really about the crazy catches to me no more it's about getting the opportunity like you talked about and you know being able to help this team it's a great team and I definitely know I can help the team so trying to get the opportunity yeah, confirmed you still had the hands. You still... Yeah, I still definitely still got them, for sure. They're going to be some crazy stuff this year, for sure. What was it like being on practice roster for the year? Because I, I feel like, from the outside, I feel like practice roster has to be one of the hardest jobs to have because you're so close to it, yeah. but you're not really in it. Yeah, I kind, of, I kind of put that stuff on myself as well. Like, 
I'm a guy that's the hard work is easy to me. So I'm a guy that's kind of passive. If you know, I know a lot of people kind of recognize that I'm kind of passive. So sometimes I, it's easy for me to work hard. And then sometimes I like see somebody else's life and I'm like, man, well, they do have a kid. Like I said, some of the things I don't have, I kind of put myself behind people sometimes just because I'm kind of passive. And I was just like, you know, they need to feed their family and I'll be okay. Like, you know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. So that was more of my mindset, like, you know, in the past. And I, now I'm kind of like, you know, it's, I deserve, I deserve now too. You know, I've been putting in work and, you know, same time, I hope everybody okay. But at the same time, I need to eat too, because, you know, COVID, you know, the, the pandemic really kind of hurt me and stuff like that too. So I kind of, th I start thinking like, man, you know what? I know I care about people, but I got to start pushing for myself as well sometimes. You know, stop being so passive. So that's one of the things that I'm big on this year, trying to just, you know, <laughs> go and get it for sure. Yeah. Well, and when Jordan Williams Lambert got that cut on his hand, boom, there's Paul McRoberts at the boundary yeah. slot back spot. And yeah. you have seven to 10 days, whatever the length of injury is to show, yeah. okay, here's what I can do with the number one team. Yeah. Definitely. And that's when you guys see your opportunity, you know, I pray for Jordan every day. We still talk to him, you know, and that's my brother. So at the end of the day, it's, it's, a, it's a brotherly love competition at the end of the day. But, um, you know, like I said, I got to take, I got to take um, four, you know, I got to, I got to go get the opportunity as well. And, try to make do what I can like you said with these dates and I feel like you know I have been doing great at, at the same time so um I'm I'm excited and I'm eager to you know really just see what happens and I'm definitely like no doubt I know I can help this team a lot I'm just waiting on opportunity everything happened for a reason just like it just did so you know it's just one day at a time for real when the coaches go back tonight and they're looking at the film from the A group today what do you hope they see from number 88 uh just progress daily you know, some of these days been starting off slow for a lot of guys, you know, including myself. But uh, every day I just I study and every day I'm like, you know, tomorrow's going to be a better day. You know, even me and Dan, you know, I tell Dan, Dan say, man, I had a crappy day. I, I challenged him. I said, Dan, let's have a better tomorrow. And he like, bet, buddy. And, we, you know, we we, uh, we made bets on every day since then. It's been getting better and better. And it's like, it's crazy. You know, just starting to get my like legs back and everything from sitting out, you know, a year and a half, you know. So, um just progress, daily progress and the coaches, the coaches definitely going to see it for sure. It's things we all got to continue to work on, but daily progress and daily, the will to want to do this and the desire and, you know, and the energy towards it. It's, it's fun out there, man. We got to have fun. So at the end of the day, you know, one day at a time. I like so. it. Uh, what's under your cap? Because I feel like you dyed your hair <laughs> at one point in 2019. Is that right? Yeah, I dyed my hair green. <laughs> right. So green, my favorite color, even before the riders, but I love the riders <laughs> for sure. <laughs> But um, green my favorite color, and I kind of wanted to change it up. I tell you, I'm a crazy guy. I want to do, and I want to enjoy life. You know, I feel like I've been holding back for so long, just only playing sports and only doing certain things. And uh, I kind of want to just be myself. And, I, you know, so I dyed my hair green just to see. Like, you know what? If I never try it, I'll never know. So it's one of those things like that. So, are you, yeah. Are you doing it again? You tried it. Are you going to do it again, though? <laughs> Everybody want me to do it again, but I'm not sure how I feel about it. <laughs> I don't I kind of, I'm going to do some crazy stuff, but I kind of just want to, you know, do it as I feel and not be like, oh, you should do it because it is. So, but um, definitely probably do something to it. They have to stay tuned. Yeah, if you're starting the Grey Cup in Hamilton, you feel like dyeing your hair green for that week. Yeah, then it'll happen for sure. Yeah, you got <laughs> to play it all by ear. They play it all by yeah. ear. That's yeah. all. Paul, thank you, man. I appreciate you joining us today in the cage. I appreciate you having me. There's Riders receiver Paul McRoberts chatting with DT on the Western Pizza Hotline during training camp this year. Always great to hear from Paul McRoberts. All of our guests, of course, appear on that Western Pizza hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime is a great time to order Western Pizza. 
Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. Coming up next, we'll hear from your quarterback, QB1, Cody Fajardo, next on the cage. It's 424 with the afternoon rush. The Double IHF has canceled the remainder of the 2022 World Junior Hockey Championship because of rising cases of COVID-19, according to multiple reports. Uh, after the Czechia-Finland game was forfeited, the IIHF announced that referee and linesmen would have to wear masks during games until further notice. And then uh, that didn't last very long as the tournament has now been completely cancelled due to the spread of COVID-19. And how unfortunate is, is that? You know, one day after, Connor Bedar puts up four goals in a single game. Ah, it's just such a bummer. Carolina Panthers quarterback Sam Darnold... He's going to be starting on Sunday against the Saints instead of the 2015 League MVP Cam Newton. Newton, he struggled ever since being signed back in Carolina. He's just not the same Cam Newton of 2015. And it's always awesome to hear our quarterback one, Cody Fajardo, speak. And back in June, Fajardo was a guest speaker at the annual Regina Red Sox dinner. And Cody, he's a big baseball fan. If you didn't know... Well, uh, he's a huge Anaheim Angels fan, LA Angels. I don't know what they call him any, anymore. For a while there, they were the LA Angels of Anaheim, California Angels. Let's just call them the Angels. But uh, Cody's a big fan of baseball. And uh, here's a conversation we had with Cody Fajardo right before that Regina Red Sox dinner. He is the Riders quarterback, Cody Fajardo. How are you, sir? PT, how's it going? Things are things are all right. Have you have you picked out your outfit for tomorrow? Do you know who you're going to be wearing? <laughs> I have it all picked out and planned and, and ready to go. I'm excited. I think it's going to be a great event, um, and it's just going to be a way to to share uh, some things about me that I think some Ryder fans and and hopefully some Red Sox fans uh, learn something new about Cody Fajardo. Yeah, you and I have collaborated because you and I will be chatting for. Oh, 45 minutes or so. Uh, you're going to spill some details that I'm, I'm super excited to people know about you. Your, your gambling past, your love of baseball, your great community work for your millionaire teammates who need you to make money for them and ping pong. <laughs> you got a lot of great stories to tell. Absolutely. And I think that's what's going to be so cool is it's uh, a lot of stories that people don't know about me. Um, there's been a lot of uh, curveball questions asked to me, and then what better way to do it during a, a baseball fundraiser? So I'm excited. Uh, I'm a little nervous to see how the fans react to some of my answers, but I think it'll be uh, it'll be all in fun. You were you're a longtime Angels fan. Who's your favorite California or Los Angeles Angel or Los Angeles Angel of Anaheim? Who's your all-time player? Oh, all time. I mean, right now it's got to be Mike Trout. Um, he's just incredible and, and just makes things look so easy. Shohei Otani's, uh, he's definitely working into my heart a little bit, just the way he's just hit notch after notch of just incredible achievements. Um, but thinking back to like the 2001 World Series, Tim Salmon, Troy Gloss, yep. guys like that. I was a big Jim Edmonds fan. Um, Troy Percival, the closer. 
Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, angel greats that uh, I, I uh, still look up to. I will I will stand for for this. Jim Edmonds made the greatest baseball catch I ever saw, going straight back, straight over his head, full extension dive, heading back toward the center field wall. I'm like, oh my god, that guy. Went, Jim Edmonds was he may get lost in baseball history, but that guy was unbelievable. Absolutely. And when you say Jim Edmonds, that catch goes right in my mind. Yeah. So when you talk about that, like that was the first thing I thought about when you bring up Jim Edmonds is just seeing him lay out just directly towards the wall, which is just great hand-eye coordination. And to make that catch is uh, pretty spectacular. One of the big things about the Red Sox is they're trying to get a new park downtown. They're trying to get a new park at the rail yards on Dudney. And I'm curious to ask you, I assume you've played in some beautiful stadiums and some just dumps in your time, uh, just with college football, with high school football, maybe back in the day. Tell me what it means to you as an athlete to have and to be able to go to work in, in just a really nice, beautiful facility. Yeah, I think you uh, put away your worries of the world when you walk into a beautiful facility like what we have in Mosaic Stadium. Uh, Walking in there, it doesn't feel like work to me. It feels like I get to play the sport that I grew up playing, uh, something that I like doing for fun, Um, and it's not a job. Sometimes you get to these rundown stadiums, and you feel more job-esque when you get out there, and it's just (laughs) there's not that much energy around it. There's not that many positive vibes when you're – like when you are in a nice stadium. But uh, I think the, the greatest thing about a new facility is just bringing in the community and allowing uh, the community to enjoy it as much as the players do. I think that's one of the greatest things about Mosaic Stadium is that the fans get to relish in all the great things that Mosaic has to offer, just like the players do. And so building that stadium not only will do great things for the Red Sox and their fans, but also for the community and the kids growing up and watching Red Sox uh, games. If, if in the 2022 season you've got a bye week and they need a DH for a night, what are the chances that Fajardo batting fourth for the Red Sox? I'm 100% go for that. Uh, I, we got to sell J.O. on that. Yeah. That would probably be the harder part is selling J.O. to get me to do it. Season's over. Uh, I, I definitely – I would love to see – my whole goal in life is to, I would love to go against just a – a pitcher that's been through the, to the majors or working his way to the majors just to see if I'm able to even make contact because that would be something pretty cool. I, I would love to be a part of a maybe a hitting practice where right. you just get to hit some BP and see if I can hit one out of the stadium. That would be a lot of fun. That He is the Riders quarterback, Cody Fajardo, with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Let's see where Clayton Croker wants to go. Clayton, jump on in here. Well, first of all, Cody, a Tim Salmon reference did not expect that. I loved him back in the day. I traded for him all the time in MVP Baseball 2004. He was so good. I loved that Angels team. Absolutely. I can, I can name a, a solid handful of that team, almost the entire starting roster. But uh, Tim Salmon, from Tim Salmon to Mike Trout, something about the Angels and, and guys with fish last names that has done us pretty good. There was an Alberta quarterback, Daryl Salmon, yes. and here it's uh, when they played the University of Saskatchewan, they would play like a fish sound effect when he would scramble in the pocket. This was back in like the early <laughs> 2000s. Anyway, um, how much do you miss your O-line buddies, Cody? Because that's a special relationship, a quarterback O-line relationship, eh? Yeah, it's it's definitely probably the guys uh, that I miss the most. And I did an interview with some of the local media uh, yesterday, and that was they asked me who I'm gonna who I'm most excited to see, and it's the offensive line guys. And the, and the reason why is because their whole 
life and from the day they step foot during training camp is to protect the quarterback. And so you kind of feel like the president when you're walking around with these big, you know, six foot four, 300 pound offensive linemen, just doing everything they can to protect you. But uh, those guys just don't get enough credit. And so being able to be in their ear and just continue to be positive with them, because right now no one's interviewing offensive linemen, right? They want to talk to the quarterbacks, the receivers, the DBs. Um, so it, it's one thing that I personally believe that I think I can make a difference by just being positive and being back and giving guys like Dan Clark a high five and seeing those guys smile in the locker room. That's what it's all about. Yeah, here in Saskatchewan, they're the rock stars or the farm boys usually. <laughs> uh, one last silly question here. Um, can you use your street cred? And I think Zinger can uh, back me up on this one here. Can you use your street cred to get the green and black jerseys back? <laughs> like, can you tell Craig Reynolds hey. that if he goes 7-0 and in the first half of the year that you'll bring him back for a few games? Everyone misses him. You, you know, that's, that's funny that you say that. I know that a lot of GMs, and this has just been being in, in three different organizations in the CFL, a lot of GMs look at what your record was in those uniforms. So I think you got to do some deep digging and see what the record was with the writers in the black uniforms because if it was a losing record, I don't see them coming back. But if you find that uh, there was more wins and losses in the black and green uniforms, I think you'll have a solid chance to persuade some of the some of the top ownership to bring the black and green jerseys back. Those were the Rocky Butler days, DT and Zinger. <laughs> I miss oh, those days. We've had some great Rocky Butler conversations uh, here on the Sports Cage. Uh, Cody, you mentioned Dan Clark. Zinger and I want to recruit you for something that we've been trying to do here on the Cage. Uh, we're making Dan Clark into like the uh, the Chuck Norris of Saskatchewan, right? How Chuck <laughs> Norris can do anything. So uh, Dan Clark filled the capital point hole. He uh, solved the co-op refinery dispute himself. He saved the CFL season. Can we can we bring you on board with making Dan Clark into a like a, a Chuck Norris like hero? I am all for that because uh, <laughs> he deserves all the credit, honestly. And and Dan Clark was a big part of our success in 2019, and and the way that he had the offensive linemen just be able to mesh together. Um, he's one of those guys that has an incredible story with the car accident and coming back and, and saying he would never be able to play football again to being an all-star yeah. like that guy has, that's what, when I think of Saskatchewan and the true a person from the province of Saskatchewan, I think of Dan Clark, just the blue collar mentality. It doesn't matter what obstacles or what hurdles are put in front of him. He's just going to continue to leap them, continue to leap them and, and do the best job he can for the people around him. And so that's why I think Saskatchewan is so near and dear to my heart because it's people like Dan Clark who are from there, homegrown, and, and you see that true person, and, and he always has a smile in his, on his face. He knows how to bring the best out of everybody in the locker room, and he's just an amazing person to have. So I am all on board to be the, have Dan Clark be the new Chuck Norris. I love it. I love, it. and I, I love the fact that you you say that about Dan and the car crash because we interviewed him, gosh, sometime in 2020, just about what he was doing, and and I had totally uh, we were talking about what training camp was like in 19, and he had to remind me that he was in that terrible car crash because you lost track of that because the guy was the best center in the league in 2019 I'm coming off of that. I'd totally forgotten about what could have been the end of his career. Absolutely. And, and that was the first time I met him was in training camp. And I remember I was with Zach Caleros and we met Dan Clark and he was just smiling ear to ear. And I had no idea about the accident or anything. 
And I, I asked um, Zach and I was like, oh, who is that? And he's like, oh, that's Dan Clark, our starting center. But he was in this accident. He tells me about this accident. I'm like, this dude has a smile from ear to ear. You would have no idea that he was so close to giving up his football career that, and, and how far he was behind. Like people don't understand how much work Dan Clark put in in training camp um, to get himself on the field to play football games. I, I remember he was just in like the uh, hot tub every day and he'd, he'd have a, like a kettlebell weight tied to him trying to get his hip better and, and just doing things behind the scenes. And, and he did everything he possibly could. And he was out there for every single game for us. And it was truly incredible to have him be a part of that. All right, uh, Cody, before we let you go, uh, what condition, and I kind of don't know the answer to this, uh, what condition is your arm in? And what's it going to be like in this extended yet no uh, no games to be played training camp? I think my arm is in great condition. Um, I, I mean, I throw every day with my when I train my quarterbacks, which is nice. Um, but to, to say throwing to Shaq Evans 60 yards down the field six times in a row, we'll see how, how long it takes me to get back to that. I think there's going to be a little bit of rust early on in training camp. There's definitely going to be a lot of excitement. So I think I might miss a couple throws. But at the end of the day, I, I've told many people this and, and people in my family this. If I throw 20 picks in the first day of training camp, yes, I'm going to be very upset. But to have the opportunity to throw 20 interceptions just means I'm playing football. So obviously I'm going to want to be better, but uh, the first day might be sloppy, but I'm going to be smiling ear to ear. I don't care how bad of a practice it is. I'm not going to soak my head. I'm just going to be excited to be out there. There's your quarterback, Cody Fajardo, chatting with Derek Taylor and Clayton Croker on the Western Pizza Hotline. Coming up next, we're going to air a conversation we had with Riders receiver Shaq Evans. The convo took place, I think it was two days prior to the start of the season, and Shaq was just full of excitement. Love going back to re-listen to this one. Shaq Evans next on the cage. Today's one big number. It has to be four. Last night at the World Juniors, Connor Bedard scored four goals for Team Canada and their 11-2 win over Austria. And doing so, Bedard became the youngest ever player to score four goals at the World Juniors, and he passed none other than Wayne Gretzky, who scored three goals back in 1977 on Christmas Day. Just an unbelievable performance last night from Connor Bedard. And yes, it was against Team Austria, but uh, take nothing away from the phenom Connor Bedard to score four goals in one hockey game as a 16-year-old. That's something special. One big number brought to you by realtor June Daku. Get one big number for your farmland called June Daku, 306-736-7640. All right, it's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's show, you can always find it on demand wherever you find your podcast. It will be posted on our Twitter feed as well, at Sports Cage. And uh, during the break there, I was just looking at the forecast for uh, – Sunday night football on the weekends. The Vikings, they're in Green Bay taking on the Packers Sunday night. And it's supposed to be about minus 20 Celsius. And everyone is just freaking out on Twitter saying how cold it is. And here we are thinking, man, can we have that weather? Can we make a trade? How nice would minus 20 be right now? Just crazy to think about. Although, yes, yes, I know that is some cold, cold weather to play some football in. Uh, there was a few cold games at Mosaic this season, but who remembers that beautiful August night? It was the Riders and Lions. Riders receiver Shaq Evans chatted with us just hours away until opening kickoff. 
I feel like he might remember the last time we saw professional football in Saskatchewan. He's Ryder star receiver Shaq Evans. Shaq, did you know it'll be the first football game since November of 2019? Yeah, I did, actually. <laughs> How do you... <laughs> what, what's the feeling for you? Because you've been around football now for for many years. Like I assume the beginning of a season is nothing new to you. How would you describe the feeling you have going into the first game of this season? Uh, I think it's just a lot of, I guess, anxious anticipation, you know, those are the words I would use, you know, uh, just, you know, knowing how emotional it's going to be. And it's going to be just, I, guess, I think it's just going to be whoever, whatever team, you know, can calm down their emotions the fastest is going to be able to have the advantage to, you know, win the game because it's going to be highly emotional. So um, it's just, it's a lot to think about because it's been so long. So um, it's definitely going to be crazy. And I am uh, definitely can't wait to see how it's going to be. When's the last time you got legit nervous before a football game? Uh, like nerves, probably like my first game of each level, you know, my first game of high school, my first game of college, and my first game as a professional. So uh, other than that, it's just a lot. It's just usually just anxious, not nervous, just anxious. Like, like I'm ready to go, like get me out there. Like when you are, say you're in the locker yeah. room two hours before, are you trembling? I want to play. Are you just trying to take your mind off it? What do you, what do you do before the game? Uh, no, just chill. Just put music on or whatever. Just <laughs> try to block, block everything out. Cause, uh, you know, you know, you've done the work already during the week. So game day is the day to just relax and physically and mentally. And then, so you can just crank it up, um, for them for those two and a half, three hours. Do you do you ever get there on game day and you go, ah, gosh, I wish I did more during the week? Because I always have that in every job I've ever had. I mean, there's always going to be little things here and there uh, that you you know you wish you could have maybe done better or perfect. But um, other than that, uh, I think it's it's definitely um, something that uh, I can uh, definitely do. I like it. I like it. Chill is uh, that sounds about right for the Riders receiver Shaq Evans with yeah, us. Yeah, it's chill. Yeah. <laughs> are you are you chill? What gets you really jacked up? Is there something that gets you every time we've talked? You are, um, you you seem very relaxed. What gets you just jacked? Uh, I mean, I guess during the game, yeah, I'm a different person, definitely. Uh, that definitely gets me going, and then I guess you know. You know, uh, getting playing, you know, playing video games gets competitive, so I guess that can get me riled up too. So <laughs> I would say those are the other things that can get me jacked up. Yeah. When you have a good kill in a first-person shooter, do you th do that thing where you just kind of brush your chest like you do on the field? Any of those? Uh, no, nah, <laughs> just just talking. It's just talking when it's the game. No, no, no gestures or nothing. Just talking. I li I like it. I I like it. When you look at this team for the 2021 season, Shaq, what do you see on this offense? What what kind of potential do you have? What do you like? What are you concerned about? Just what do you see from the Riders' offense this year? Uh, I just see a lot of diversity. You know, I see a lot. You know, a lot of guys doing different things. A lot, of, and everybody doing everything. Like there's no, there's nothing on our, there's nothing that nobody on our team can't can't do. You know, like Braden can can do everything I can do and I can do everything Braden can do and, you know, vice versa with Swerve and myself and things like that. So we're all going to be running all the routes and, and doing everything. So we're going to be very multiple and it's going to be tough to stop us because you never know what we're going to do because we were all good at everything. So I think it's going to be tough to, to stop top our offense as long as we keep working hard and preparing as champions, you know. 
Someone brought up to me the stat yesterday that in Jason Moss's offense, it's something like in the last five seasons, four times his offense has produced the leading receiver in the Canadian Football League. Uh, will that be Shaq yeah. Evans this year? Could that be Shaq Evans this year? I mean, everything's a possibility, but uh, I, I, it's definitely something you, you think about in the back of your mind. But, you know, the main goal is just, just to win. You know, receiving yards come with wins. I believe that so as long as we're winning, I feel like everybody's going to be doing their thing and we can we can all have a thousand yards, you know, because I think we're that talented and, and we and, and we have that, that great of an offensive coordinator and, off, and an offensive mind to get the ball in our hands in different type of ways to where we can go out there and produce, you know, as an elite group. Is there is there a way of getting the ball into your hands that you'd like to, to have a little more? Because... Uh, Watching you at 19, uh, most deep ball targets. You had the most 30-plus yard yeah. receptions in the entire CFL. Yeah. Jump balls to yeah. the, uh, you know, down the rail. Like, oh, I'm jumping and spinning my body and yeah. I'm tiptoeing and we're all good. Like, is, yeah. is, there something, <laughs> is there something you want to do more of in 2019 or maybe something you expect more of from yourself in 2019? Or in 2021, yeah, there's, there's pardon me. Things, but yeah, yeah, there's definitely things um, that – will be different and uh but I'll I'll leave that for you guys to see when, when the games are played and then you'll and see if you guys can can figure it out. I'll leave that up to you guys. I kinda I, I kinda wanna know that the the hitch screen that you take sixty yards to the house to put the riders in first place is coming. Actually you know <laughs> those are great when you just spring them on us actually. Never mind. <laughs> when when you let me ask you this: Do you kind of do you look around the league at any point and compare yourself to other receivers in the league? Uh, no, I don't ever compare myself to to really anyone. I just try to you know be the best I can be, you know, um, and that's that's try, where I try to keep my focus because you know all the all the all those other things are just distractions, you know, trying to think about awards and things like that. So I just try to focus on myself and just understand that the work you put in, the results will come. And you can't control any of that other stuff. All you can control is your work. You put it in, and you get in what you put. You get out what you put in. Yeah. So you don't use other guys to to help you motivate yourself to work harder or be better. No, no, I, no. I can motivate. I can definitely motivate my, myself. I don't need any external motivation. I, I'm my biggest critic, hands down. And uh, so I don't. I don't really need any outside influences. Those always help. You know, yeah. maybe a coach get on you real quick and then it just fires you up and then you just get mad or a defender says something to you and gets you fired up. But it's like, yeah, but once you make me mad, it's, it's trouble. So stay away from that. Well, because Michael Jordan used to invent stuff. He would just literally make stuff up. Like yeah. that guy said I was dog yeah. crap and he's he's barely in this league. Like yeah. I don't pretty sure he didn't say that to the greatest ball player of all time. But that I mean that worked for him. You're able to find that within yourself. I love that. Yeah, that'd be my yeah, I remember that happened against DC last year. Like somebody had said something about they said that I wasn't good because all I was catching was uh go routes. And I'm like, um, uh, okay, whatever. I got a I got over 100 yards, and then the next play, I catch the the 50 yard touchdown. Uh, so that that was a mistake to be talking like that. And then the next play, it happens again <laughs> for a touchdown. So that was a quick little story right there. 
<laughs> we encourage all of that this time around against BC. We would certainly love to see all of that. Yeah. I, there was something you said there, Shaq. I just want to dig in on. You said you're your own biggest critic. So do me a favor and critique yeah. Shaq Evans, the starting wide receiver for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, well, he's, he's a hard worker. Uh, he's definitely someone that's going to be tough to guard because of, you know, his speed and his athleticism and his, and his ability to get off the press and things like that. And, uh, um, he's going to play hard and he, he's going to block. He's going to do everything he can to win the game. So, uh, it's going to be a, he's, that's, that's what, a, um, a top guy does. He tries to lead by example, and uh, I think that's what you got in a receiver like Shaq Evans. I gotta say that that Shaq Evans sounds like a hell of a hell of a pass catcher. Jeepers! <laughs> yeah. Uh what? What do you think? What are the expectations within the team for 2021? This is such a weird year, and from the outside, none of us have yeah. any idea what to expect at all. How, what's the mood w- within the guys, within the coaches as well for, for what's to come this year? Um, uh, I think we just, we just expect to, so we, we, we all feel like we have unfinished business. I really do. I feel like the core, you know, the core players that were here from 2019, which make up a, you know, a good, a good, a good chunk of our team, uh, just motivated by how last, you know, the last season ended because we know we felt like, uh, that we were the best team. And then we also felt like in 2020, we would have been a great candidate for the great cup again. So to miss that in 2020 and to have 2019 and how it ended, I think we just have a lot of, uh, just motivation, you know, built up, you know, and ready to attack the season full force. And I think everybody's going to play well because we're so motivated and it's going to be tough to beat us, you know, all year. Do you remember the end of the 2019 season, or do you push that out of your mind? Uh, I mean, you can never push it out of your mind. Once it's in your mind, is 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 there. So of course, it's going to come up because it's important to you. So uh, things like that, or it has to come up as frequently, but it always comes up now and then. But you try to just push it in the back, in the back, and just try to move forward because there's nothing you can do about it now. So it doesn't matter. It's over with. You learn from it. You move on. And you use it as fuel for the next season, and that's where we are now. So, I'm excited, uh, and I think we are all excited. To you. Just a, a, as a guy who's made this his profession, what does it mean to you that that football is literally 50 hours away after being away for so long? Uh, yeah, it means it means everything. You know, it's just it's just a blessing. You know, to get back out there because you um, you know when you get to this point, you know, getting through training camp, you kind of forget that it's really been a year and a half and then you you know you kind of reflect and think about all the days and the tough days and all the and all the time that you know has passed in between us last you know getting ready for a football game so it, it puts it, it puts a lot of things into perspective and uh, it makes you appreciate the game even, even more so that's my main that's the word i would use you know going into you know friday is just appreciation you know because uh we saw that it could be taken at any moment yeah, and I just can't wait. Whatever we've been through, we just know football is two days away. Uh, before I let you go, I was just I just pulled up a, your numbers profile here. Uh, I just want to point out that last season you averaged 21 yards per target when you waggled. Can we see some more Shaq waggles this year? Uh, yeah, I'm sure you'll I'm sure you'll see 
see some of that this year. Uh, can't, yeah, definitely. So you were, see all of us waggling. All of us gonna be doing it. <laughs> you you were very heavy from a, uh, your targets were very heavily from a set position, which as you and I've talked about before, kind of harder to do that. But yeah, yeah. get get Shaq free and get yeah. 21 yards a catch or per target, pardon me, 21 yeah. yards a target yeah, it yeah. is an enormous number. Yeah. I think we'd all be up for that. Yeah, it is. Awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah I, uh, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Shaq, I, I appreciate you giving us the time. Just absolutely knock them dead on Friday. I can't wait to see live football again. And after what you did in 2019, just – on a, on a personal individual level, I cannot wait to see what you have for us in 2021, man. Yes, sir, man. I appreciate you having me today, man. Riders receiver Shaq Evans with Derek Taylor on the Western Pizza Hotline. That was just hours prior to the opening kickoff of the 2021 season. And yes, it was not the season that uh, Shaq wanted, not the season that Rider fans wanted. Just can never catch his stride, you know. He got injured early on. And then when he came back, he was just never really the same. But he was hoping that Shaq is uh, back in a green and white uniform in 2022 and maybe return to that 2019 form. Heading to break at 5.05, we'll hear from another Riders receiver who had himself a pretty good year considering he was not expected to do much this year. Ricardo Lewis will be chatting with Derek Taylor right after the 5 o'clock news. This segment for Nick Service and Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. 455 with the sports ticker. The IIHF has canceled the remainder of the 2022 World Junior Hockey Championship because of the rising cases of COVID-19, according to multiple reports. It, uh, it was after the Czechia-Finland game was forfeited. The IIHF announced that referees and linesmen would have to wear masks during games until further notice. Then that didn't last for long as the tournament has now been completely cancelled due to the spread of COVID-19. Very unfortunate news coming out today. Carolina Panthers quarterback Sam Darnold will start on Sunday against the Saints instead of the 2015 league MVP Cam Newton. Uh, Newton Man, he's struggled behind center, uh, behind center rather, since being back in Carolina. I, I like how people still call him the 2015 MVP. Like he's the furthest thing from an MVP right now. But uh, uh, it's, I guess it's good to still see Cam Newton in the National Football League. And uh, the sad news came late in the evening on Tuesday that NFL legendary coach and broadcaster John Madden had passed away. Madden known as one of the greatest coaches in NFL history and uh, one of the greatest broadcasters in uh, NFL history as well. He was 85 years old. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. We're going to head to break for the news, and then on the other side we'll hear a conversation from Riders receiver Ricardo Lewis. He joined the sports cage after his big performance in BC. Uh, I think that was around the middle of the year or so. So looking forward to revisit that conversation. You're listening to the best of the sports cage rider edition on 620 CKRM. Sports cage on 620 CKRM. I'm Sean Kleisinger and for Derek Taylor today and you can always text me up on the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation at Chase the Ace text line. It's 306-936- 6262 and uh, don't forget to head over to riderville.com to 
pick up this week's Chase the Ace tickets. You just never know. You could be the winner, but you need a ticket to get your name in the draw and making the draw uh, later this week. So uh, get your tickets now, riderville.com. You can get one for 10, 10 for 25, or 50 for 50. Our winner last week got the 50 for 50 deal. So uh, just get your name in the draw, and you'll never know. We're going to start off Hour 5 with a conversation Derek Taylor had with Ricardo Lewis following his big game in BC from earlier this year. The one thing I think about when I think back to that game is Ricardo Lewis's touchdown dance, the lawnmower, one of the greatest touchdown dances there is. Here's DT with Ricardo Lewis following that big performance. He was one of the stars of the Riders' win in BC this past week. He is receiver Ricardo Lewis with us on the phone. Ricardo, thanks for the time today. Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, I just want to I just want to make sure uh, I enjoyed your performance against BC. I really enjoyed your touchdown, but I most enjoyed your touchdown celebration. If you could please just send us <laughs> through that. Oh man, I just I don't know. It's just something that just came to my mind throughout the week. I was like, man, if I score, I gotta I gotta do something. Like something has to be something has to be done. And the only thing that came to my mind was mowing the lawn. You know, just putting in work. That's pretty much the whole idea behind it. And just, like, waving to the fans. It was crazy is that, like, while I was waving, it was, like, maybe 12, 13 BC fans surrounding two Saskatchewan fans. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. I'm, I'm waving at only two of the people that actually want to see me score. So it was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, man, it's exciting. I I was, like, our booth was 100 miles away from where you were, but I knew exactly what you were miming. It was beautiful. You're the friendly guy in the neighborhood just out on a Saturday morning m- mowing his lawn. <laughs> I thought, oh, this is, I enjoyed yeah. that very much. And it just, uh, it was it was beautifully done. Uh, yeah, tell you. me, that performance as a whole, how do you feel about the game that you had this past weekend? Uh, I feel like, you know, it's a pretty good game. You know, obviously there's some things to clean up, some things to get better at. Um, just want to continue to build uh, off the off the week that we had as a team to continue to get better. That's but mainly, you know, what I take from the game. Yeah, it was it was a good game. It was a great you know debut for me. You know, showing out and, and breaking out and all that. But my main focus has always been the same every week is just getting better and just focusing on helping my team win. Uh, when you talk about going back to that celebration and you talk about putting in work and stuff like that, when, you, when you've when you put in the work week in and week out and maybe the result isn't what you know you're capable of, uh, what is the relief like when you start to, you know, those results start to show up for you? And is it harder to follow it up or is it harder to, you know, finally get to, to know where you know you can be? Well, uh, I, I think it's just a matter of persistence. You know, there was times where in the beginning where I started to play where it was tough, you know, some drops and just – some things that just were off a little bit. And I think a lot of that just had to do with just getting more reps, like I said before, just, you know, uh, putting in extra work and really commanding the offense. And because I know one thing is that whenever I'm able to really understand the offense as a whole, I'm able to play faster. And when you're playing faster, any 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 player, any level, whenever, you, whenever you're able to play fast, and you don't really have to think much. You just, you know, react and just play off instinct. It just allow your trainers to take over, just like Coach Dickey always says. Mm. And you know, I was just able to trust, trust you know what he was saying, and trust my training, and trust just putting the work and being persistent. Did did doubt creep in at any point along this this path, Ricardo? Since you joined the Riders, was there any doubt in your mind of, oh, okay, this isn't going well. I don't know if this will go well in the future. Uh, I wouldn't say there was any doubt. There was um, a little bit of frustration. I can't really doubt 
I don't really like to doubt myself. I don't really like to have that in my mind because that's when you start to really uh, lose confidence and stuff like that. There was some times where, you know, I thought, like, man, this, this, this is harder than I thought. I have to work a little bit harder, focus a little bit more. Um, but I also knew what I can do. I also knew what I'm capable of. I also knew that, like, I've been in big games and situations where we need to play or, or mm. I, I, the team, you know, needed me to come through. And that doesn't happen, you know, for everybody. But whenever, you know, your name is called, you want to be able to, you know, to execute and, and, and put on for the for the team, help the team win. And that's really, honestly, my only um, focus now. Uh, everything that happens for me individually is not really as exciting to me anymore. What's more exciting for me now is just helping my team win. And, and I, I quickly started to really understand what the goal is here now for the, the riders, and that's really to just win a great cup. You know, it's been some tough times in the past from what I've learned and what I've seen, but um, I guess the number one goal for us now is, 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 is to win a great cup. And I'm going to do whatever it takes on my end to help the team because it's my first year. I'm new. Nobody really knows me much, but I'm I'm on the team now. I'm part of the team. I'm part of the organization. I'm part of the city of Regina. And my main focus is now just to help the team win. Well, more touchdowns and more clutch catches on the drive that led to the winning touchdown, and people will know will know number 86 before too terribly long. He is Ricardo Lewis, the Riders receiver, with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. We we would keep asking Coach Dickinson and and Coach Moss, well, what do you see in Ricardo? Because through three games, you had four catches and, it, like you mentioned, a, a couple of drops. What are you seeing? Why, why, why is Ricardo in for game number four? What does it mean to you that the coaches stuck with you when, honestly, other coaches would have would have given up on a guy who, uh, not necessarily you, but a guy in that situation? What does it mean to you the coaches stuck with you? I mean, it means a lot. It means that they, they put their trust in me. Um, they believe in me. Um, and that alone is the reason why I didn't have as much doubt as you know you would imagine. But um, like I said, it, it showed that they believed in me, they trusted me, and that just comes from uh, practice and the way I practice. Um, it may not show in the game, but sometimes you know in practice is is really where you know you kind of prepare yourself for what's ahead. And I, I practice every 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 rep like it's a game. Um, every time I, I try to make the most of my opportunities in practice and I guess the coach has seen that and just doing everything right, doing everything the coaches asked me to do, um, whether it's just blocking. I mean a couple of games where I didn't, you know, catch as many passes, I, I wasn't I wasn't mad, I wasn't frustrated because for one, I was um happy to be out there. I was excited to be, I'm i I'm still happy now. I mean <laughs> most people don't know, some people don't know, but I I, I haven't played a game professionally since twenty seventeen. My last game was against the Steelers. In 2017, after that year, after that season, I was dealing with injuries, and like I, I, I was, it was hard for me to, to to find my way back. You know, teams start to lose faith when you're always injured, and you know, people don't really know. But I mean, it, it is what it is, you know. And after the first game when I came in Winnipeg, you know, it was a tough loss, and the performance wasn't, you know, really that great. Um, I had to go back and tell myself, man, it's been a while since I've been in a moment like that where. Like it's this is a real game. Like this is a serious scenario where you have to make a play. Although I know that I can do it, I've done it before. Yeah, it was just a matter of time before I, I was able to catch my stride and, and, and I was also find a routine in my preparation for a game. And you know, once I caught on to that, and once I you know listened to the coaches and did what I had to do, 
the um, results showed. Yeah, you talked about injuries and you haven't played a game in a long time. When I see things like neck surgery, I, I all I, in every walk of life, I get I get scared and my gut kind of turns a little bit. But especially for athletes, what was your neck injury in 2018 for folks who don't know? Yeah, well, it was uh, it was a disc herniation, and from what I've learned in the past from different doctors and, and studies was that uh, it was the, the herniation happened quite probably like maybe a couple of months before I didn't know I didn't feel it I didn't I didn't even have any indication any neck pain at all but it was there it just I didn't feel it and um I was lifting weights I was doing the incline bench and it was heavy weight and I was really straining to get it up and uh, that's when the discarnation really popped and it was excruciating pain I couldn't sleep I couldn't move my neck and I was like man something's really wrong like I don't know what it is and once we got I got tested and got an MRI and all that. They realized that it was a disc herniation, which is very serious. Because mm-hmm. um, if, if I were to be on the field when that happened, it could have been a totally different story. You know, thank God that it was it happened the way it did. You know, it wasn't fun. <laughs> I tell you that it wasn't a, a good injury to have. But um, I'm glad it, it, it happened the way it did because I mean I'm still here now today. I was able to fight through and and. and I mean, now I don't really have any pain now. It's just, it is what it is. You know, I'm, I'm moving forward and I'm here now. Good. That's good. Uh, as you mentioned, obviously that's an extremely uh, difficult uh, injury to come back from the amount of work that has to be put in for the rehab and stuff like that. Did it make the transition to, to Saskatchewan a, a little bit more difficult being that it had been so long since you'd played a professional game? Yeah. I mean, it was a difficult adjusting to, uh, a new way of playing football. I mean, the only thing that's really different is the field is bigger. Um, and, you know, the, obviously the waggle and the motions and stuff like that is definitely a bit challenging. But as far as the things that I already knew with like reading defenses and understanding um, how to run certain concepts and the playbook and running the ball, and that's one of the things I took pride in. Because uh, most of the offenses I played for from high school all the way up to college and NFL, we ran the ball a lot and I uh, took pride in blocking. So um, that was one of the things that I, I felt comfortable doing. But, you know, it took a lot of reps, a lot of time for me to learn and catch on and learn the offense and get used to it. I'm still learning now. I haven't, you know, perfected anything, but I'm still on a path to, to continue to, to command the offense and learn this system and learning a game of Canadian football. I'm learning to love being here. So it's been fun. You're, you're liking that waggle. I was just going through the numbers. Uh, 11 of your targets have been off the waggle this season. It's I feel like that's going to be your thing for as long as you're in there, working Ricardo off the waggle. Hey, whatever it takes, man, I'm, I'm down for it. All right, uh, Ricardo Lewis, the Riders receiver, I got three quick questions for you on the way out. Are you Are you ready? Let's do it. When I see you at practice, I, I, I'm quite high up. I'm up in the booth watching practice. Is that tights or a sweatsuit that you have going on underneath your practice uniform? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's tights, black tights. Okay. I have, uh, it's, so everything is kind of matching a little bit. So I have the black tights and the, the black long sleeve undershirt. Because I wonder, because you're a Miami guy, is that right? You're from Miami? Yes, sir. Yeah, I always kind of wonder when when guys from the southern U.S. come up to Canada, how how cold they perceive this to actually be. It's 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 not too cold for you yet, is what we're saying here. Uh, I, I, oh. I don't even want to think about the cold. I'm not even gonna. 
I don't even want to talk about it right now. I'm already preparing myself. But as far as what I've heard, um, it's usually around this time of year. It's already snowing and pretty cold. So it's been, it's been known to yeah, because it's been, it was been 86 and 90 degrees Fahrenheit the last couple of days. It's been well two days prior to today. It's been really nice for September, but it's coming, man. It's coming. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm I'm ready. I'm I'm just waiting for the day I walk out the door with some shorts on, thinking it's hot and it's <laughs> cold. I, I thought it was Ricardo. It's just a bunch of goosebumps at this point because, oops. Uh, no, question number two. Is there a Louis Vuitton headscarf? Is the, it, was that in your game attire for this past week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one from, uh, you know, the Herman Reed twin brothers. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so I got it. I got it from them boys. They uh, they were selling it, actually, not too long ago. And I was like, oh, let me get one. They, they have, I mean, a plethora of. Do rags. If you pay attention, you watch them on the sideline. You watch them in practice. I'm tr- trusting you'll see. They have, I mean, just a collection of them. So interesting, because Lenius was rocking one that was like royal blue yesterday. I gotta take. I gotta pay more attention to headscarves coming up. All right, that's that's on my list to do. And and three, uh, you go five catches for 71 and the touchdown. And I was saying earlier because it just happened. I now expect that from you every week. Is it okay that as a fan, I expect that from you every week now? I don't mind it. I don't mind it. As long as I get the opportunities and I, I make the most of my opportunities, I can do it for you every week. I can do it for myself. I can actually go more than 71 yards, more than five catches. And that's going to take a lot of, you know, a lot more hard work, a lot more attention to detail for the coaches to see that I can handle, you know, the amount of targets that, you know, will require for me to go over 100 yards and over five catches. So, Hey, I think we're all rooting for it. When it comes, we'll be we'll be there to celebrate it with you. Ricardo, thank you, man. I appreciate you giving us the time today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. He is the Riders receiver, Ricardo Lewis. Nice enough to be with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. There's DT with Ricardo Lewis on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime is a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. Next, we're going to hear from a rider who called it a career earlier in 2021, linebacker Solomon Elamimian. He's going to chat with Derek Taylor next. You're listening to The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. This is Sean Kleisinger in for Derek Taylor today, and by far the news of the day, the IIHF has canceled the remainder of the 2022 World Junior Hockey Championship because of the rising cases of COVID-19. Uh, after the Czechia-Finland game was forfeited, the IIHF announced that referees and linesmen would have to wear masks during the games until further notice, and then that lasted for a few hours, and then a few hours went by, and then the news came out that the tournament has uh, been completely cancelled due to the spread of COVID-19. This Saturday's Winter Classic game between the Minnesota Wild and St. Louis Blues has a chance to be one of the coldest outdoor games in NHL history, but the league says they are prepared to play on it, uh, or to, to play on the date. The New Year's Day game will return under the lights at uh, Target Field in Minneapolis, home of the Minnesota Twins, with the weather forecast calling for a high of minus 19 Celsius and a low of minus 26 Celsius. But, hey, I think uh, we'll take that weather here in Saskatchewan. Minus 19? you kidding me? That's that's peanuts. But uh, we shall see if that game uh, goes forward on Saturday. And I sure hope so. Love watching those games right before the new year. 
And one of the all-time CFL greats called it a career earlier in 2021. And how about the season he had in 2019 for the Riders? He had 96 tackles. He had four sacks. He was all over the place. And everyone was kind of questioning, oh, he's too old. He's not going to do much out there. Well, he silenced those critics in a heartbeat because he was one heck of a player for the Riders in 2019. And for his career, he had 833 tackles, 33 sacks. He had eight picks. Man, just one of the all-time greats in the Canadian Football League. And he called it a career earlier in 2021. Solomon Elamimian, and he joined us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Our next guest will never again play a CFL game in minus 30-degree weather. Clay, uh, Solomon, we got all these cold temperatures, and you're never going to play in them again? That must be very sad for you. Uh, yep, unless it's going to be a little bit of flag football. I doubt I'll ever play in the cold weather again. That is something that um, I definitely won't be missing. But, uh, yeah, my time in Saskatchewan was definitely unmemorable besides the cold weather. Uh, we were. I was surprised to see the announcement yesterday. Solomon Elamimian joining us, uh, announcing uh, your retirement, and then uh, the video tributes came out. Uh, how long did you know that that you were going to retire? When did you decide? Uh, I've been working through it. You know, I would say since December, just really talking to my family, my loved ones about you know stepping away from the game. Um, you know, every every year at some point, I just kind of do a self, you know. Um, analysis and you say, okay, what motivates me? You know, what is this that I want to do? What is it I want to accomplish? And, you know, when I did it this time around back in uh, December, January, it really wasn't anything that, you know, really motivated me enough to, you know, go through the rigors of training camp and just, you know, you know, train and bust my butt like I, I know I need to for every season. And, you know, it's important for me to walk away on my own terms. That was always important, you know, for me. And I'm in a place right now where I'm ready to, I stepped to the next chapter of my life, and um, you know, I had a great conversation with uh, Jeremy O'Day, um, I would say, over a month ago, and I just said, hey, you know, here's what I'm thinking. We had a good talk, and I just asked him to kind of keep things quiet. I said, hey, you know, the media's probably going to ask you what's your plan at linebacker, and, you know, just try to stay away from that because I want to make sure I announce it in a way that I'm comfortable with, and, you know, uh, TSN reached out, and I was happy to do the uh, feature, the video feature, and also write the article, so... Um, yeah, it was definitely a um, uh, overwhelming day emotionally yesterday, but I think all in all, it's, it's the best decision. I'm happy that I made it. I, I suspect also happy that they don't charge you per received text on your phone, or else that you would have been in, in for a, a real big bill. Uh, definitely. Um, I think I probably had close to over 200 text messages and uh, Twitter direct messages and Instagram messages, and you know everybody you know reaching out from. Obviously, uh, former teammates, um, friends, and families, but you know, also the um, you know um, uh, players that I played against. You know, some that you know I, I really didn't have much interaction with. You know, just messaged me and just said, "Hey, Sally, it was it was great, you know, competing against you. Uh, you're a hell of a player." And you know, fans reached out to me uh, via social media, and you know, definitely got emotional. Um, you know, when they you know reference, you know, me impacting life. Um, you know, through my play and just, you know, things that I've been through. So, all in all, it was just really hard, really heartfelt uh, moment the last couple of days. And, you know, I'm still kind of going through it and just making sure I, I text and I reply to everybody is something that I think is important as well. Ultimately, did, did COVID and the cancellation of the 2020 season play a role in your decision? 
No, I actually didn't. You know, if I'm going to play football, it's going to be, you know, under, you know, because I want to play football. It was just at the point where my career, my life really followed me as a person. And, you know, where do I want to be? And, you know, the different opportunities that are opening up for me, you know, as, you know, in the business and, you know, here in Vancouver, it's just something that I just felt like, you know, it's time, right? And um, if, if I still, you know, wanted to play, I'd definitely be on the team right now. Uh, that's that's for sure. But, you know, it was just important for me to leave on my own terms. And with a lot of, you know, different things that I want to do, I, obviously I, I want to spend a lot of time with my family as well. I feel like my family has sacrificed a lot, you know, for my career. And it's, I think it's time for me to kind of move on, right? I had a great run. And, you know, Canada has been great to me. CFL has been great to me. And, you know, there comes a time where you, 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 you want to walk away. And, you know, mm-hmm. being able to do it on your own, own terms, isn't something that a lot of players get to experience. Um, yeah. So it was important to, that, I, that I did it at, at the point that I felt comfortable at. Well, first of all, Solomon, I have to say thank you because my friends and I still greet each other with that, what's up, like you <laughs> did with Jermaine Franklin. And that was like 10 years ago, man. So like that's a nice little inside joke me and my friends have, and it's all because of you. Um, back in 2011, you won the league's hardest hitter award, and it was according to a player's poll. Now, do those awards that are voted on by your peers, uh, the guys you go up against every week, are those awards more special? Uh, they definitely are. They definitely are more special because it's the players that play the game, right? And, you know, we have a saying, you know, you can fool the, you can fool the media, you can fool the fans, you can't fool the, uh, fool the players, right? And, you know, when the players acknowledge, you know, the intensity in which you play the game with, it definitely means a lot. And, you know, for my for the, for the for the players to you know recognize me, I think multiple years as the hardest hitter, you know, really said a lot, and it was something I always wanted to prove, right? And you would always have new players come in, and, and they would size you up, and you know, you know, they would want to show that you ain't that tough. So, you know, throughout the years, it definitely got harder to keep uh, keep that uh, recognition going as you got older. But you know, all in all, it definitely means a lot when your uh, when your peers recognize you. You joined the BC Lions right around the same time Andrew Harris did. Um, back then, did people on the Lions know that they had a future Hall of Famer, or was he just another rookie on the team, not really standing out? Or did, did everyone know that he was going to be special right from day one? I'm not sure who knew, and probably not, because if they knew, he'd probably be starting you know, day one. But I remember training camp 2010 was my first year. It might have been Andrew's first or second year. Of course, as a rookie, I didn't know who was a starter. I didn't know who was who. But I honestly remember Andrew, and I'm like, man, this kid is actually pretty good. And come to find out, he wasn't even starting, right? And it wasn't until, I believe, the next season that he really got his foot in and he showed everybody what, uh, you know, what he can do. Andrew's a special running back, not just because he can run the ball between, um, between the lines, but he is a great uh, pass catcher out the backfield. And any running back that can do both things, you know, really, you know, it would be kind of problem. So I've had my, you know, share amount of uh, my battles with Andrew throughout the years. Um, and it's always been better when he was my teammate. But you know what? I have so much respect for Andrew because of how, he, you know, he plays the game hard and, you know, he, he's really a talent. You should have heard the rumors about Andrew Harris back in the day in the BCFCDT. People thought he was going to be starting at safety for the Lions. People thought he was going to be starting at the Willside linebacker. People thought he was staying with Wally Buono. Turns out he wasn't even starting in year one, and no one really noticed him. So yeah, the, well, that's the thing with Canadians—they'll they'll move them anywhere, but some guys can can stay where 
where they truly want to be. Uh, Salman, I'm curious about the the, the next phase for you. Uh, does it include being the president of the PA, or does that have to be a current player? Uh, no, that, that includes being uh, the president as well. Um, how the term works is, you know, you run, and it's a, it's a two-year term, and after two years you can, you know, run for re-election, or you can choose not to uh, put your name, you know, in the ring and run again. So my term doesn't expire till. Uh, 22 of February. So I'll still be the player, uh, the president of PA. And, you know, like I said before, our goal is to get back on the on the football field in 21. I think we missed an opportunity to play um, last year. And, you know, we got to use last year to, to kind of really learn and say, okay, how can we not get to the position uh, we were in last year again? And, and ultimately, you know, we have our work cut out for us. But I think we approach it um, and, and work together, you know, early on, rather than later on, uh, things will be better. So we got to get our members back on the, on the field, you know. Um, this year really showed what the game means to, um, you know, Canada. You know, it's really a, a, sta- a staple, a fabric in, in our community. And it, it definitely felt a void not having Canadian football this, uh, this last season. You talked about the motivation to be on the field. What, what's motivating you for the next phase of your life, for the next 60 years of your life? Well, I think for me it's just, to be great. I really want to be great outside of football. And, you know, I, I want to be more than, you know, a, a, a football player athlete. You know, I kind of want to, you know, be more than I was in football. I know that's a tall task, but I think if I apply the same principles I did throughout my career, that's hard work and that's having faith and having good people around you, you know, it can happen. Uh, currently, I'm, you know, I'm working within the um, capital markets. I'm finishing my Canadian securities course and I, you know, here in Vancouver, I met some tremendous, uh, tremendous people that, you know, show me, you know, show me the, um, I guess, show me the rounds and, you know, take me under the wings. And I'm really excited about, you know, what I can do within the community and, and in terms of the business side of the capital market. So that's what I'm working on right now. I dibble and dabble a little bit in real estate throughout my career and I can, you know, do a little bit more of that. Um, but just really, you know, being an entrepreneur, being independent and, you know, creating a brand for me outside of football, something that, you know, I've always wanted to do, and so now I got a little bit more time to do. So, any chance we see you and Big Hill team up on like a Team One Hundred hedge fund or anything in that vein? Uh, people keep uh, people keep saying that. Um, yeah, we, me and Adam talked about that. Um, financial advisor, Team One Hundred, and you know, really helping people and educate educating people on you know finances and stuff like that. So, of course, man, Adam's one of my closest friends. Um, you know, in life, he's a tremendous player and just a a great person, and you know, he's somebody that. Uh, we keep in touch regularly, and you know he's just congratulating me on my career, and you know I just say, hey, listen, now I got to live through you, so you know keep it going. Um, half the team 100 is retired, but you know we're we're living through you now, Adam. So you know, we're we're definitely proud of Adam. I love it. I love it. Uh, final one. Uh, have you decided what you're going to wear to your Hall of Fame ceremony? <laughs> I actually haven't. I think they give you a jacket, right? They sh- they should, but you got to have something before you put the jacket on. I don't know if you I don't know if you uh-huh. think ahead that far, clothing wise, but uh, that's uh, that's coming. Like that's absolutely coming. Uh, well, listen, when that time comes, I'll, I'll reach out to you. I'll get your advice on, <laughs> on what I what, what I should get and, and what I should put on. We'll, we'll get it dappered and we'll get it tailored. How about that? Yeah, I I feel like you whatever you wear, it's going to drape better on you than than my chubby body. But we we can. We'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll consult some people I know who who know better. Uh, I just have to say, it's been a pleasure covering you and watching you for, for 10 years and uh, getting a chance to talk to you in the 2019 season. It was about five minutes in where I went, 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I see what everybody's talking about. That you you're very clearly on point and focused and serious and and it, it was it's been a pleasure talking to you uh, football and, and things outside of football. So I just want to say for the the few interactions we've had, I've I've greatly appreciated them and I will remember them, sir. Uh, no, thank you so much for having me. And you know, I had an interview earlier today, and I just you know couldn't stop raving about Saskatchewan and, and the community out there. And the time I had it was unbelievable and. You know, I'm, I'm glad that things kind of worked out where I was able to play um, in Saskatchewan and experience that culture. It's really iconic. Um, they got a good general manager over there with uh, Jeremy O'Day and head coach over there with, with Dickie, who's, you know, doing good things. And, you know, obviously thanking you for your coverage of the CFL throughout the years. You know, having good people that, you know, can do a good job but really love the CFL is very important. So um, definitely thank you, and you guys continue the, the good work. Solomon, thank you so much, man. Be well. Okay, sure. Bye. He is the great Salmon Elamimian. Leaving on his own terms, and I think that sounds pretty great. I think that's what every athlete strives for. One of the all-time CFL greats, Salmon Elamimian, joined us on the Western Pizza Hotline following the announcement that it, he was retiring from the Canadian Football League. That was Derek Taylor and Clayton Croker chatting with uh, Salmon. And next on the cage, we're going to be chatting with the one, the only, Duke Williams when he got in town here in Regina and man he became a fan favorite real quick here in Ryderville that's next on the cage Cage on 620 CKRM. How you doing, Saskatchewan? I'm Sean Kleisinger in for Derek Taylor today. And uh, very cold outside, so I just saw a dog walk by the window. Poor dog. Like, dogs don't belong outside in this weather. He was wearing boots, though. He or she was wearing little booties, so that's good to see. Uh, stay warm out there. Uh, like I said, a kick off today's show. I have a nice fireplace beside me. It's uh, on a TV screen. It gives off absolutely no heat, but it keeps my heart warm and cozy, and that's all that matters. Uh, twice a week throughout the year, of course, Arash Madani, a huge contributor to the sports cage, and his segments, the Madania Report, are brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Gully at Smart Investing Solutions, 546 25 33. Uh, smart investment for the Riders this year was bringing in Duke Williams because he ended up being our best receiver down the stretch and into the playoffs. And we were so excited to have Duke Williams on right when he got to Regina. Uh, let's bring him in right now. He's with us on the line. He is Duke Williams. He is, as I said yesterday, or I, I tried to get him to say yesterday, the top deep ball threat in the Canadian Football League. How are you, sir? I'm good, boss. How y'all doing? <laughs> Things are all right. We were just uh, we were just singing the the praises of some of the teams that you you've played on in the past. Please tell me how ridiculous that receiving core in Edmonton in 2017 was. Oh uh, man, that was um, one of the best uh, receiving cores I played on. You know, with Vidal, B Mitch, B um, Mitch. We had Kenny. We had um, Zilstra. Was a couple in of there. other guys. D Walk. Walker, other guys as well. 
Yeah, we were stacked. That was an um, experience. There were, I learned from those guys as well. Yeah. There were four guys on that roster that went to the NFL. Uh, you, Zilstra, uh, uh, gosh, I lost it. Darrell Walker went to the NFL. Bryant Mitchell also went to the NFL. Uh, Adarius Bowman might well be a Canadian Football League Hall of Famer. That That's crazy that you guys were all on the same team, and it was just four years ago. Yeah, that that is crazy. That was my rookie year. That was my rookie year, too. So, you know, I was fresh. I was new. But I learned a lot from those guys. So, you know, it, that stuff is still sticking with me to this day. So, you know, that was a blessing in disguise to um, be able to play with those guys. Well, and that brings me to my next question. Uh, you know, coming in as a rookie and, and having a receiving core like that, what did that do for you? We saw what that did for your career. Obviously, the next year, putting up close to 1,600 yards. But uh, how much credit can you get, can you give to those guys, you know, when you were a rookie leading you to what you've been able to do? I mean, they could get all the credit, honestly, because I was new to the game. Uh, you know, I was I didn't really know. It was different from what I was used to. So, like, I had to learn for those guys and, so they they can get all the credit for that, because um, without that happening, I wouldn't be able to play as fast or as smooth as um, I'm used to playing. So I I definitely give those guys credit for um, taking me in and and um, helping me learn how to um, play in the CFL. One would assume that this played a, a factor, but Jason Moss being here in Saskatchewan, uh, how did that factor into your decision to come here, and how much more comfortable does that make you coming into a new team? Um, um, I'm, I'm definitely like getting comfortable, you know, I'm not there yet, but, um, it's a work in progress, but, um, by me playing with coach Moss, it's just help. It's just make it easier because that's the playbook I played in and, you know, I know the office. So everything that I'm learning right now is just basically refreshing my memory of what I already know. So that made it way more easier for me to make a decision. Plus I knew a couple of other guys as well. So I just felt like this where this where home was. And that's why I made the decision to come in. He's the Riders receiver, Duke Williams, with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, when you say still stuff to to pick up, Duke, what, what kind of things? What kind of things do you need to do when you come into a situation like this? Like, what's what's still in front of you? Things you have to get comfortable with. I mean, just adapting to how things work, how things um, work out here, as far as like where I just came from. So once I adapt to that which is I'm already adapting this to, everything else going to work out smooth. You know, I'm just trying to get used to, like, far as running plays on the field and, you know, knowing, like, what's coming at me. Other than that, everything else being a smooth transition. All right. I, I may be too optimistic, but I've penciled you in for six catches for 186 yards and two touchdowns on Saturday. Uh, am I far off? Where am I with my expectations for what you can provide? I mean, we we had a good we, we having a good week of practice. So when the game comes, whatever's thrown at me, that's what um I'm a, hopefully I can make a play on it. So I can't I can't determine that. You know, that's just a, a thought that you have. But hopefully I can get close to it, or if not, pass it. Who knows? What What will it mean to you to be back in an actual football game, like a meaningful football game? Um, can you repeat that? I can hear you. Oh, I, I was saying, what will it mean to you to be back in an actual football game, a, a game that matters? Uh, man, this means a lot. Every game from here on out matters, you know? So it means a lot to be about to go live in like three days to actually play against another opponent, actually perform, catch footballs, and, 
my other teammates make plays. Like, I can't wait for this. That's that's what I've been waiting for this for a minute. And, you know, I'm just taking it one day at a time. And, and when that day gets here, I'm going to just let it all out and do what I got to do to help my team get to where we're trying to go. There's been a lot of talk here in Saskatchewan about that 50-50 ball uh, from from quarterbacks, from receivers. Uh, everybody seem to ha- seems to have a different perspective. Uh, for you, uh, where would you rate a, a 50-50 ball, and how would you describe that? I mean, it's part of the game. It's football. You know, it's just something that every receiver got to be able to do when it comes down to you and the defender. You know, every pass, you're not going to be able to – you're not going to have separation on every route you run. You know, so you got to be good at something, and that's just something I just so happen to be good at. Not saying I'm not good at anything else. That's just one of my uh, strengths on the field. Are there any that kind of stick out for you of, like, oh, yeah, that's that's a catch from Edmonton, I remember? Um, Almost every catch, honestly. That's like 130 catches. You remember him? Come on. Calgary. Um, say it again. Oh, I say that's like 130 catches. You you have them all in there. I mean, I got a I did it, so you know I play it back in my head a lot. So you mm. know I always um, play situations in my head that I've been in to help me cope with other situations that may occur in the future. So yeah, I'm pretty sure it's in there. Love it. Is it unfair to call it a 50-50 ball? Because, I mean, no matter who you are, it kind of favors the defense. Is, in your mind, is it unfair to, to say 50-50 ball? Um, no, it's not unfair because at the end of the day, those the, the, those defenders that I'm going against, they get paid too. They they get paid to do to do their job. So at the end of the day, they're not just, you know, going to let me catch the, catch the 50-50 ball. You know, I got to fight for that. And that's why it's called a 50-50 ball. I don't think I have an advantage over nobody. I just think I'm like I had said earlier. I'm just good at at catching a fifty fifty ball. Yeah, Duke statistically, I, mean, I don't it, catch every fifty fifty ball, but yeah. when it's a fifty fifty ball, like I love fifty fifty ball. <laughs> what? <laughs> no other way I can really explain it. Why do you say you love them? Because I I wouldn't mind the wide open one where you just roll seventy five yards for a touchdown. But what? Why do you say you love them? Because you got to compete for it. You got to compete for what you want. You know, you're not just going to let them take that ball or intercept that ball away from you. Like, it's a 50-50 ball. It's either me or you. And I'd rather make you – I'd rather take it from you than you taking it from me. So, like, I'm, I'm willing to compete for what I want. And that 50-50 ball is something I want. So, that's something I got to have. Yeah. The, I suspect and to be a pro athlete – that much better when you get it. Yeah. I suspect to be a pro athlete, you have to – you have to find the drive in those little competitions within the greater competition. Oh yeah, you have. It's always competition. Everything you do is, is almost a competition. So you always got to be, you know, prepared for whatever's going to be thrown at you. So I, I totally agree with that. Uh, how did that become uh, one of the, or if not the best part of your game? Uh, how were you able to mold that throughout your career to to be such a strong point uh, in your game? I mean, just playing since young with my brothers, you know, in the field. Sometimes me and my brother throw up a. Used to throw up these, like roll up a ball of socks and turn it to a ball and just throw it up against each other and see who could catch you. And all that translates to me playing with them while I was younger and they was older. And I had to compete. Like I said, I had to compete. They weren't giving it to me. That's something I had to earn. And I just got good at it, stayed working on it. And it just became a part of my game. 
Yeah. Duke, as you can probably tell, we're currently in the state of Ryder Nation. We're obsessed with the deep ball. But as I went back through your numbers in 2018, uh, you were the number one in deep ball targets, but the intermediate range too. And then, oh, by the way, uh, you seem to do some really good things when they threw you the ball behind the line of scrimmage too. I mean, I, I try to do do my best for my team. You know, whatever I got to do, I try to be there. Wherever I got to be at for the quarterback, I try to be there. And when the ball in the air, I just try to make sure I come down with it. So, I mean, like I can do whatever they need me to do. I just I just got to make sure I'm ready whenever my number's called and then make something happen on the field. You know, it's football. I've been playing it almost my whole life. You know, it's nothing new to me. And I just continue to try to be better than I uh, am the day before. Uh, apart from a, a win on Saturday, how will you know it's been a successful debut for the Riders? I mean, all I want is the dub. I can have zero catches. As long as we get the dub, that's what it's about at the end of the day. You know, one win, we all win at the end of the day. So that's my main focus right now, to just come out with a dub, do what I have to do on my part, and, you know, help the team come out with a victory. That's our main focus right now. And I think, well, as you well know from your time at Edmonton, everybody would like a victory over the Calgary Stampeders, but uh, they they aren't giving them away for for free this year either. My goodness. Oh, no, they're definitely not giving them away for free. They're on a um, nice winning streak right now. You know, those guys practice and work hard just just like we do. And they're playing good ball right now, so we got to come with, we got to come ready. We go, we going to City Place, you know, a nice um, hostile environment, a nice crowd. And we got to handle business at the end of the day. There's no excuses. We just got to come to work. I like it. I like it. Uh, Coach Dickinson hasn't uh, committed to it 100%, but he said uh, with, with you and Shaq, they're, we're practicing them like they're going to play. D are you going to play Saturday in your mind? Um, I mean, I've been practicing all week. When Saturday comes, I know for sure. So I just, I've been doing my part. And um, when Saturday comes, I know. I like it. Duke, thank you, man. I appreciate you giving us the time today here on The Cage. Best of luck on Saturday. Oh, yeah. I appreciate y'all for having me. There's Duke Williams on the Western Pizza Hotline with Derek Taylor. And if you missed it from yesterday, Duke Williams was our top play of the season from 2021. That huge touchdown from the West Final. And do you know what? Let's play this one again. It never gets old. Here it is. Derek Taylor with the call. Two catches for 10 yards for Duke. Shaq Evans, no targets, no catches, no yards, no impact. Ten seconds to go, run blitz coming. Five, Fajardo gunning deep for Shaq. Caught, Duke's got to the 50. He's on the run, 40, 35, 30. Duke making some moves. Duke Williams around Alexander, and he's going for the end zone. Touchdown, Duke Williams. And the entire province of Manitoba is silent. Man, Duke Williams is a freak of nature in the best way possible. Man, that was such an amazing play. All right, we got more Cage next. 5.56 with the sports ticker. The sad news came late in the evening on Tuesday that NFL legendary coach and broadcaster John Madden had passed away. Madden known as one of the greatest coaches in NFL history, of course, and one of the greatest broadcasters as well he was 85 years old the big news of the day today the double ihf they've canceled the remainder of the 2022 world junior hockey championship because of rising cases of covid19 and uh 
It was initially reported today that the referees and linesmen, they were going to be wearing masks during games, but then that didn't last long. Shortly after that, it was announced that the tournament as a whole has been completely canceled. So very unfortunate news there. I turned it away from my fireplace on my big screen here in the studio, and I turned it to a football game. It's a bowl game. We got the the Cheset Bowl. I don't know what that is, but that's what the bowl game's called. It's Clemson versus Iowa State, and Clemson just kicked a field goal to go up six to three, with four minutes remaining in the second quarter. Not like anybody cares about this football game. It's just in front of my eyes, so I thought I'd talk about it. The sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Seven eight one. 2090. Coming up on the other side of the news, we'll hear from TSN's Marshall Ferguson as we continue our best of the sports cage from 2021 Saskatchewan Rough Rider edition. It's the sports cage on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's show, remember you can find it wherever you find your podcasts at about 7 o'clock tonight. That's usually when I get it posted. We had a great show so far today. Duke Williams, Solomon Elamimian. We heard from Cody Fajardo, Ricardo Lewis, Shaq Evans. I mean, you name it. So uh, if you missed those convos, it will be on demand uh, in a few minutes' time right after the show. And uh, right after the CFL season this year, we uh, chatted with TSN's Marshall Ferguson. And there's not too many people out there that know more football, know more about the Canadian Football League than Marshall Ferguson. Here's Marshall with Derek Taylor following the conclusion of the 2021 CFL season. Guy who knows all about being talented, it's Marshall Ferguson. See how I did that, buddy? That was just for you. <laughs> how is it going, boys? Things are all right. Uh, we, we had Coach Dickinson on. We're just doing the happy thoughts with, uh, with Coach Dickinson because, you know what, we've done all the hard questions and stuff. We're just remembering, uh, one, what a gem Coach Dickinson is, and two, just, just the happy moments from the 2021 season. Because if I think too much about the cold, blustery weather and that they had six turnovers and did not win a football game, I might cry, honestly. Yeah, that, that's a tough one, I think. Uh, nobody wanted to see that be the ending of, of the season, certainly where you are in Riderland. But, I mean, that was uh, that Winnipeg team that you guys were just talking about. Like, they, they can beat you a lot of ways. And, like, Hamilton's going to be up against it, obviously, again this week. So, it's nothing new, I think, to everybody around the league to understand that Winnipeg is a very good complementary football team that is likely to, to find a way if you give them any openings whatsoever. And, I mean, Saskatchewan, they didn't exactly close, right? I mean, down the stretch, like Duke had that big touchdown in the end of the third, which I'm very fortunate. I was actually driving back from Toronto to Hamilton after the Eastern final. I was listening to UDT and enjoying a little bit of that, and I caught it just as the Duke-Williams touchdown started happening. So, oh, no. I mean, it was... It, it was a crazy one, though, right? I mean, down the stretch, because it felt like when I was listening to you call the game that the game came to life really late into the proceedings. And it was slow back-and-forth turnovers, all the rest of it. And obviously, I've watched it back a couple of times and got a better understanding for the way that it shook out. But, I mean, yeah, it was for a while there, there was not a whole lot of movement on either side. And understandably so, because, I mean, look at the way the two teams played each other throughout the year. It was domination by Winnipeg in basically every facet of the game. So Saskatchewan was just, it felt like trying to stalemate it a lot down the line, but uh, not enough, not enough, unfortunately, for everybody there. Yeah, and some of the turnovers were odd. Some of the turnovers were 
two of the interceptions were were lucky. Marshall's interception, he plays it beautifully. I think it was Lawler. He steps right in front. But uh, Nick Dembski drops one and bats it up in the end zone, and all of a sudden Ed Ganey, Superman's in. And then Nigel Harris, Calaros just throws it right to his belly button. You go, oh, okay, sure. Those are Those ones don't happen often, and you just wish there could have been more coming off that but honestly that was the story of the Riders in in this in this season yeah no doubt I think like for me the 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 one with Dembski was the strangest was it not oh yeah (laughs) and and it was it's actually amazing because I'm putting together a bit of a cut up uh for the Great Cup Saturday show that we're doing this weekend where I I went through the heat chart of of Zach Kolaros and I found this one spot on the field where he's invincible. Like he's, he's five for five on throws outside the hash inside the numbers between 30 and 40 yards down the field. And I'm like, why? (laughs) That's not a spot that you usually get to. And so I started going back and looking at all of the targets that they've had in that region of the field throughout the season. And the thing that I, I ended up settling on was they basically run two plays to that part of the field and they're really damn good at running those two plays like that. That puts them in a really good situation. And one of those two plays, believe it or not, is the Nick Dembski high, basically over cross road against man coverage. That is exactly what he ran where they ended up busting a little bit, ran right down the seam. And then he ends up just chunking it off of his hands and throwing it back the other direction towards Ed Ganey. So uh, that's one of the easiest interceptions that Ed Ganey, I think will ever have when a receiver just decides, yeah, you know what? I don't want this thing. You just, you go ahead and take it. But uh, it's, uh, I mean, they, like I say, if you fall behind it all against Winnipeg, and this is kind of my theory going into Great Cup Week right now, is you fall behind it all against them, and they're just going to start to beat you down and wear you out and, and all the rest. And it's like like Saskatchewan, in my opinion, honestly, and I'm not saying this because I'm on your show, they did such a good job of just hanging. Like, despite everything, like even with the turnovers and some of them being wonky, they just – they hung like they refused to go away. Well, the and Duke I think touchdown that, was exactly that. I right? mean, yeah, that, was, that touchdown was so impressive for just that reason of the Bombers should normally just run away with this game, but oh, bang, Duke touchdown. Yeah, and, and we were waiting for that all year, right? Like right. I mean, when we were going through and, and thinking, well, Cody in the deep ball, Cody in the deep ball, and obviously a big chunk of that all came on yards after the catch. But I, I agree. Like there was a huge kind of for me as somebody like you who studies this stuff. It was a bit of an exhale. Like there was almost this, we go, oh, wow, okay, they actually did hit one. Like maybe this is the turning point in the moment where they're going to end up smoothly transitioning into not necessarily being a consistent home run hitter, but a team that you feel very comfortable will be able to start to make some of these in the bigger moments because that's what everybody's been waiting for. And then you realize, oh, no, that was the one-off. Like that, yeah. <laughs> that was basically when I, when I put together the target chart on all the games this weekend, I was like, man, like – Cody, he tried, man, you know, like he, he really honestly tried to change the narrative on all of this stuff. Like he wanted to, to take some of these shots over the top and he wanted finally to be more creative and getting it down the field. And, and he took those risks and credit to him. Like I, you know, there's a lot of meat on the bone of Cody Fajardo and, and the way his exit media press conferences and everything went. But I just, I have a lot of respect, honestly, for, for the way that he identified weaknesses. Maybe he didn't go about it in the, the most seamless way to make everybody else aware of, hey, yeah, I know what we're going through here, just so you guys know we're not oblivious to it. But right. when I put back the target chart at the end of the year here, I just I look at it and I say, you know what? Like, that guy could have turned and and ran the other direction and just said, we're not good at this, therefore we're not even going to try. Or I'm not going to bring this up in the media. I'm going to hope that nobody else notices or whatever. But he didn't. He took it head on. And I, I think there's a lot of respect that should be your from writer stands, honestly. 
Yeah, Marsha Ferguson, Canadian Football Perspective, with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. I, I'm with you that there should be. However, I think the narrative is going to be, if not 180 degrees different, I don't know, 157 degrees different than it was <laughs> uh, going into this season, right? Because it was Rocket Ride to the Moon, what an amazing 2019. I think the narrative as we go to 2022 is, eh, can Cody do it? Uh, as versus we're going to the, we're going to the moon. Uh, I don't know if we're going to the moon anymore. I think that's what's <laughs> what's going to come out in the media, honestly. If you aim for the moon and you land at the stars, then that's still something to be an accomplishment, I guess. It's the old thing, right? But uh, I, I don't know if the stars are good enough for probably over half of Rider Nation, and, and I think that Fair. that's the problem. Is that I think for me, and this is just early analysis, and I haven't been able to go through and actually crunch what his season looked like relative to 2019, but I I don't think Cody took a step backwards. I think Cody was put into a different system that helped him in large ways on underneath throwing and uh, accuracy and efficiency and getting the ball out. And, and you could tell that there was a lot of things he was being asked to do just by the way that he was playing that was, hey, I need you to take like a rapid three-step drop and get the ball out here. I need you to be on target with this. This is exactly where we're going with the ball in that play. Like, it, it was very, very, I feel like probably prescribed is the term that I would use, where Jason Moss's stuff, I think he learned a lot that helped him in one sense, but I also feel like it restricted him, honestly, in other senses, where the natural playmaking of Cody, it felt like in everything that McAdoo was doing, and I'm not saying McAdoo's a better offensive coordinator or that Moss needs to scrap half his playbook. Like, I think that there's a happy meet in the medium kind of situation, but it just feels like he played more freely. I don't know if you agree with this. Season, oh, yeah. But he, he played more natural in 2019. Absolutely. And it might be it might be the naivety of a guy who doesn't know what he doesn't know, so he's just out there running around and slinging it. But I honestly think that's when Cody's at his best. Like, he's a dual-threat quarterback, and you and I had the conversation going into this season of what is his game going to look like with Jason Moss, and we said, well, if he can pair together the underneath efficient passing game of Trevor Harris when he was in Edmonton with Moss, and he can also add in the quarterback run game, then, like you said, the moon is what you are headed towards on a direct straight shot. What we ended up seeing was, at the end of the season, a scramble to say, uh, well, we don't have a lot of answers. We haven't figured this out, so let's just lean on the quarterback run game and let's hope that Cody scrambles enough to get us through. And it's like, well, that's, that's not a system. Like, by the end of the year, or however many pages are in that playbook, the first page that was in the playbook in that snowy game, right, against um, that's no game against Winnipeg this past week was let's hope Cody bails us out. And I, I think that's a little damning, to be honest. I feel like they need to – this is the real work. Like It, it kind of takes me back to Dane Evans and what he said after the Eastern final where he was like, listen, adversity is the only thing that we are guaranteed when we play this game. Mm-hmm. Life, just like football, is all about your response to adversity. Well, the adversity for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders right now, because I do think Cody is the guy going forward, I think the adversity is how do we maximize the value of Cody and put him in the best situations possible? Because if you're not going to do that, then who gives a damn who your quarterback is? Yeah. Like when, when Dane went in, I heard Enoch Mwamba say this in his post-game press conference in Toronto on Sunday. He said, you know, when, when Dane came into the game, it, it really wasn't about the fact they were switching quarterbacks. It was that they changed their offensive system. They got scared of, of the blitz, and they just started throwing all these swing screens. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, Enoch has no idea what Dane's style is. Like, he, he doesn't actually understand that it, 
yeah, the system changed because the quarterback changed. Those two things go hand in hand with Hamilton. So it's like Hamilton and Tommy Condell, they change what they are running. Not the entire thing, but a big chunk of the offense and the flow of the game changes when Dane Evans comes in at quarterback for Jeremiah Masoli. Mm-hmm. The offense should be tailored to the quarterback. And I feel like a lot of what we saw this year was Moss running Moss's stuff and trying to find bits and pieces that have worked in the past for Cody. But I think the whole thing's got to be about Cody. Like the whole thing has got to be, let's sit down and hammer out. How do we get better together? Because we have all the talent and all the brain power in this room to win a gray cup. That's the challenge for them this offseason. Yeah, at just from a one numbers perspective, the, the amount of deep shots that he took this season, about the same as 2019. The amount of intermediate shots went down fairly dramatically. Uh, 2019, 55 passes at or behind the line of scrimmage. This season, it was 96, almost double Ooh. per game at and behind the line of scrimmage. And if you saw Ryder games, you're going, yeah, that, that sounds about right. There, were, yeah, there was a lot of that kind of stuff. throws as well, right? Like the total number of attempts, the total number of completions, the, the total number of sacks, the sack percentage, like all of that was because they were putting the ball in his hands more often. And I totally understand that. But if you're going to put it in his hands, let him be a playmaker. Don't ask him to throw... Uh, you know, four, five, six bubble screens per game and hope you get yards after the catch if you don't have guys blocking down the field. Like, do you trust him to throw consistently into coverage on second down? If you don't, you better learn how to trust him or you better give him better situations or better concepts that he will trust and be a better quarterback. Uh, You know, if if you want to see him be more efficient on first down, then maybe that involves some quarterback run that's called stuff on early down. So you don't have to rely on, I don't know, second down. Let's just call a concept (laughs) and hope that Cody scrambles around and wins this down for us. So, it's, it's a mentality thing, honestly. It's like, do you, do you want to be stuck in the things that you've been known for, or do you want to scrap the ego and put everything aside and say, let's figure out how to do this together? Because I, have, I say this with full confidence. They have everything that they need in that quarterback room to be great. Like, not good, great. And I, I hate when people don't give quarterbacks time to develop. Cody, when he first came in, I killed him. Like, I was like, this is a short yardage guy. He's never going to turn in anything down the field. I don't trust his arm. And he's won me over. Like, honestly, he's, despite the deep ball passing stuff, despite the fact the intermediate numbers were down, he's won me over because I see now the potential in him to take what he's got in that arm, mm-hmm. the athleticism that he's got, pair it up, and in the right system, be great. Because that's exactly what the CFL was. They just have to figure out how to script that. He's Marshall Ferguson, Canadian Football Perspective on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, Clayton, dive on in here, brother. So, Marshall, if you were the Riders, where would you spend your money in the offseason? If you spend any money, like, do you go after a big-name free agent? Do you just keep all of the talent that you have right now? Like, try to bring in as many pending free agents as possible? I think that the, the best formula, in my opinion, and this is a bit of recency bias from what Winnipeg and Saskatchewan has done, is re-sign your core and then find little pieces that you can tinker with here and there. And the best example of that, I think, was this year with BC. Like, when they went out and they got Lucky Whitehead, did they need Lucky Whitehead? No, they, they probably would have been okay. Somebody would have taken all those targets or Burnham would have gotten more or whatever. But I think what really jumped out to me was when they added him into that fold, it was like, listen, this is a lot of the stuff that we ran in 2019, but we also spent on our offensive line for Riker Matthews, and then we also got Lucky Whitehead, who can be explosive for us. And did they have a heck of a lot more wins and go to the Grey Cup? No. I mean, they were still the BC Lions. They still didn't have a lot of success, but they were better. And, and I think that's because they singled out a couple of things that they said, 
this is what we should try to accomplish with our off-season money. Resign the core, trust the people that are in-house, try to bring them back, have some continuity and development, and then go from there. You've had a big year personally, just starting to do more play-by-play for the CFL. You were doing the UTEC Bowl, of course. What's been uh, some of the highlights for you this year? Like, Is there one big game or one big moment that sticks out for you? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think it's been a crazy year. Um, I've, I really enjoyed calling the UTEC Bowl just because I knew that Montreal against Saskatchewan was going to be a fantastic game. Like I just, I knew that eventually at some point, you know, we had technical issues and all sorts of stuff in the background that was annoying. And I just, I kept saying to the people that were in the truck and that I was working with, I'm like, listen, none of this stuff is going to matter because at some point the game is going to take over and it's going to be amazing. I was like, there's no way we, there's way too much talent on the field in a U sports national semifinal for the game to not take over and just be sensational. And it was so, you know, I think that was a big one for me in terms of laughing at myself. I think messing up my first touchdown call as a CFL and TSN broadcaster by saying <laughs> the touchdown for the wrong team will always uh, haunt and make me laugh because I enjoy laughing at myself because I think that's healthy for the for the soul. So, you know, when Javon Katoy goes into the end zone and you say touchdown Red Blacks, yeah, that'll haunt you for a little while. That'll be memorable. <laughs> but, um, yeah, th- those are the two I think that jump out to me the most. And then, I mean, I could list off so many, but I think the the last one I'll mention is calling – my first game in Hamilton on television this year was amazing because I uh, went to McMaster University, still live in Hamilton, and to drive down the street and broadcast a CFL game in the building where I did radio for so long, the guy that was always in the room down the hallway calling it on TV was Chris Cuthbert. And it was like I had this this moment of realization as I stood in the booth about five minutes before kickoff. I'm like, I'm standing next to Dwayne Ford in Hamilton – with you know a, probably a thousand people that I know in the stands down below me that love this game, I'm standing in the Cathedral of Hamilton Football at Tim Hortons Field, and I'm doing Chris Cuthbert's job, and that was just a that was a really really powerful moment for me. Uh, and then I had to quickly take a deep breath and actually do the job, which was uh, was tough for the first couple of minutes. But those are some of the many things that jumped out this year. It was it was a very very special year that I'll remember for a long long time. Well, I know that a lot of people were worried when Cuthbert left, but you and Dusty, man, you and Dustin Nielsen have just been lights out as the new play-by-play guys for TSN. So pat on the back for you, sir. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. And, uh, I mean, Dusty took my radio call this week, too. I mean, I'm just uh, some bum on the street here during Grey Cup in my own hometown. I don't know what happened. I mean, geez, that guy, he's too good. He's too good. That's the problem. (laughs) He just shoulder-checked you. He put a Nick Marshall shoulder-check on you and knocked you out of the way, hey? He's got the size advantage on me, too, and the length. I mean, if we fist fight for the radio gig this week, he's going to beat the crap out of me, I think. Uh, Yeah, Nielsen. I love Nielsen. Love you, Marsh, you you know, and – uh, continue doing our Canadian Football Perspective podcast together. Always enjoy uh, you breaking it down for us. Thank you, brother. Appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It's always good to do uh, to chat with you and to everybody that's been listening throughout the year. Um, I really do appreciate the ability to have the the platform and talk about the game that we all love. And I, and I know that it's going to be back bigger and better than ever in 2022 once we're back through all of this mess and, uh, and get through this great cup. So thank you as always, guys. Talk to you soon. Yeah, just wait till we're breaking down collective bargaining processes. And, oh, <laughs> God, let's get back to the football. I love it. TSN's Marshall Ferguson chatting with Derek Taylor on the Western Pizza Hotline. We're going to head to break and tee up Thursday's show on the other side. What's in store for this beautiful Thursday tomorrow? Find out next on The Cage. 625 inside the sports cage. I'm Sean Kleisinger here. 
putting a bow on today's show. We have a big hockey game coming up tonight. The Regina Pats are at home against the visiting Winnipeg Ice, the first place Winnipeg Ice, and we'll see if the Pats can come away with another big win. Uh, they kicked off the second half of the season on Monday with that nice win against the Edmonton Oil Kings under the orange top. 6-5 to five was the final score on that one. So, man, I would be down for another scoring fest tonight. I'm going to be producing the game here in studio uh, at the corner of 12th and Rose, downtown Regina. And uh, I would be down to hearing a lot of goals scored by the Regina Pats tonight. And uh, the big news in the sports uh, world today, well, at least in Canada for sure, also about junior hockey, uh, the IIHF, they've canceled the remainder of the 2022 World Junior Hockey Championship because of the rising cases of COVID-19. And, uh, yeah, so after the Czechia-Finland game was forfeited earlier today, uh, they came out with a release saying that uh, the referees and linesmen were going to be wearing masks during the remainder of the games throughout the tournament. And then a few hours later, it was like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Actually, the whole tournament is going to be canceled because uh, more and more cases started to be reported. And it was just, uh, man, just really unfortunate, especially after last night's game. Connor Bedard becoming the youngest player ever to score four goals in one game. I mean, he passed Wayne Gretzky for crying out loud. Wayne Gretzky, he put up a hat trick back on Christmas Day in 1977, I believe they said it was. And Connor Bedard uh, scored four last night. So no more World Juniors this year. Unfortunate news, but uh, I guess we can look forward to having Connor Bedard back in Regina and uh, seeing him in a Pats uniform once again. So uh, that puts a wrap on today's show. On tomorrow's show, we're going to hear from the old voice of the Regina Pats, Phil Andrews. And, uh, hey, we're going to hear from Connor Bedard himself after his first WHL game. Rachel Dory on everything the NHL. Uh, Dante DiCaria, your new voice of the Regina Pats. And uh, a whole lot more. So looking forward to that tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, stay tuned. Regina Pats hockey is on the air next. It's the Winnipeg Ice against your Regina Pats. Let's see if the Pats can get another huge win under the orange top tonight. Thank you for listening to today's show, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. You'll be listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.